At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Turn out the lights. The party's over. They say that all good things must end. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 245. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. That's as good as it's going to get uh, just because this is the last one, isn't it? With the two of us, yes. Um, it's it's weird. I felt weird all day, really, for a while on this. But yeah, it's starting to sink in, Mitch. This is the last this is the last one. And then I have the mailbag and that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Um for for you on the podcast, anyways. Uh I'm gonna take a little bit of a break with the pod just to kind of uh figure out what we're gonna do going forward. But um it, it will it will come back in, in some way, shape, or form, and it probably won't be longer than, than a month without, without something going on. But even then, that might be a little long. But either way, it's uh, yeah, that's as good as I'm doing. It's okay. What about you? Same boat. Like, I want to end this one on a high note. So we got to, like, snap ourselves into this. But got to be honest with you, Mitch, it's very much so bitter. It's bittersweet, but a, a lot of bitter at the moment, and I'm trying to find the sweet. <laughs> Uh, but we got to do one more final ride. We got to make it count. And, uh, well, it's not like the Islanders are really giving us a whole lot to, to make this uh, on the sweeter side. They did win against the Washington Capitals most recently on Tuesday. But, uh, yeah, the the snapping of the five-game losing streak was the highlight, I guess. Yep. That, that's really it. The, the highlight is they stopped losing all of a sudden. Uh, I mean, all of a sudden, but... Um, it really seemed that after that New York loss, they're just kind of like, we're done. We're, we're done. And the other day against the Washington Capitals, it seems as they were a little bit better, right? They were uh, on their horses. They were really pressing, right? They, I think there's a stat out there that they had like, I think six rush chances, they being the Washington Capitals, the entire game. And um, Ilya Soro can obviously stop them all. Uh, just, it was an excellent showing from, from top to bottom from the New York Islanders. So, it gave us a little bit of positive to see out the year, although there's still two games left for that to change. Yeah, absolutely. There is still a couple of things left here. But what we wanted to get into first on this episode is first the Islanders road struggles, and then we're going to do some Kiefer Bellows conversation because why not? Got to love it. Um, as far as the road struggles, obviously they just won their most recent game, but on the road this year, not too pretty, Mitch. Um, is there a particular reason why you think there's such a difference from this team at home versus on the road? Because you look at their home record, 19-15-5, and, and that's with how many goddamn games did they lose at the beginning of the year this year to start at home, too, by the way. So it was an 11-game losing streak. Four of those were on the road in that 13-game road trip. So, so seven. Um, their first seven. seven. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. During that whole COVID swing. So you take seven of those losses out, maybe not take them out, but just take them out altogether. That looks wildly different. Right. But on the road, 17, 19, and five. So under 500, which is obviously not great. Yeah, I think it's four, seven, six on the year on the road in terms of uh, points percentage. That sounds right. It's a, NHL.com isn't showing it. All I'm seeing is the the way versus home record. I am not seeing the points percentage, which NHL fixer stuff, man. That would be really nice to see here. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up right meow there. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. It's, I wrote something a little bit a little while ago. So you, you think it'd be fresh in my mind, but you would be incorrect. It is a 476 points percentage for the Islanders on the year this year on the road, um, which is better than last year where it was 464. Um, just not good at all uh, last year on the road. And that's kind of a growing trend. They had that real, like, if you look at the last four years of, of the road record, just in terms of points percentage, it is diminishing every year. You go from 0.62 in 1819, 0.515 in nineteen twenty, Then you got this year at 476 and last year at 464. So not consistent next necessarily every year, but it's pretty damn close to what it was last year, this year. Right. So obviously under under 500 the last two years on the road is something that they're going to have to fix because if you could hover, keyword being hover around 500 on the road, ideally a little bit above. I'm not saying you got to, you know, have this crazy win percentage on the road. That's unrealistic. But then, you know, take care of business for the most part at home. Like I'm looking at the Rangers home record. They're 26, nine and four. Like that looks so nice at home. And then, like you said, just hover a little bit above 500 on the road. And that's how you find your way to a hundred plus points in the, and being in the playoffs. Most of the league was above 500 on the road, right? There's 17 teams above 500. Nashville was the last one at 551. And then you get into the sub 500s from 18 down. Uh, so we're not asking for a lot here of a floating above 500. And you're right. The second you start doing that, that's when you start, you know, packing in some wins that you uh, shouldn't necessarily get per se because the way the NHL is structured and the rules and so on, it, it advantages the home team. But to your first question, what what is at play here? Obviously, we don't exactly know why the Islanders just can't get it done in, on the road the last couple of years. But being an older team probably doesn't help. No, <clears throat> no, I don't think so either. Um, it clearly doesn't. Uh, and it's taken its toll. And obviously, that's not something that you're going to completely revamp. Like the Islanders aren't going to go to be like the oldest team to the youngest team overnight. But... I think there's room for some fresh blood, which is okay. Like, you know, you're probably moving on from Zidane Char and Andy Green. That's going to help a great deal. Um, like, it's just because it's the what? The law of averages. Yeah, it's Andy Green's, what, 38? I believe he turned this year. What an old person. Anyone who's 38 years old is so old. Uh, that's what I think. I, ancient. Might as well be put in a retirement home. I, I'm not even 38 yet. I turned 38 in like a month. Uh, so close. But uh, you're right, though. Like you, you take a 38-year-old, that's going to drop down the average age. And then the 45-plus-year-old? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? But you have a 45-year-old and Noah Dobson at 22. The average age there is what? We're looking at 67. So that's a 30-something, 33 and a half years old average between those two. Yeah, wild. Um, 
<laughs> that's crazy. I can't believe it, but yeah, but just mix in, let's say two new defensemen, one being Robin Sallow and one being a free agent who's hopefully, I don't know, 27, maybe like right at, right at that time where you're hitting UFA mark. Uh, and that's going to change some things. That's going to be a drastic difference. Absolutely. Right. Like that brings the average age down. You, you got rid of those two guys bringing it way down. And, and like, we're not looking just to bring the average age down per se. Like the other guys are still going to be up there. Um, but it really does factor in when you're, when you're relying on Andy Green and Zdeno Chara day in, day out to, to not just play like a couple of minutes, like Zdeno Chara, I believe is averaging like 19 minutes a night type of thing on the year, which is it might be not exactly 19. I think it's like 1843 or something like that, but wow. it's more than he was getting the last year. You were almost spot on 1841. You're up by two seconds on his average for the year. That's impressive, right? Like sometimes I can remember some things and sometimes I cannot. Um, this one was apparently one of them. I couldn't remember the per wins percentage or points percentage for an article I wrote like an hour ago, but this thing, the Zenachara, that is locked in the vault, baby. Um, but yeah, we're, we're relying on him for more ice time than he was getting last year. And that's not something that happens to someone who's 45 years old. They get more ice time on average. That doesn't happen. No, no, it definitely doesn't happen very often. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at his numbers now. He went from 22.54 and 17.18 to 21.05, 21.01, then 18.19 with the Capitals, and now back up to 18.41. So. I mean, that's damn impressive, though, playing nearly 19 minutes a night at 45 years old. Yeah, n not playing super well, but um, I do see a lot of people going like, oh, if only we didn't have, you know, Sedano Chara. That's I think it. Chara would have been fine as a bottom pair guy. I think so. It's just that we asked him to be a top four guy, and he's not going to say no, obviously. And that was our fault. We put him in the wrong spot. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy to say that he's been better than Andy Green this year. I, I don't think so. I, I'm sorry. I do think so that he's been better than Andy Green. I don't think it's wild to say that. Yeah. So, it, again, it, it's more so just about clearing some of these guys out. Like, yes, the veteran presence, we like some of that stuff. But the rest of this core, yes, they're a little bit on the older side. But outside of public enemy number one, Josh Bailey, is there anyone who is like, pointing to and saying that guy is definitely over the hill because I think Anders Lee proved that it was just a little bit of health issue early on. He seems fine. Kyle Palmieri is Kyle Palmieri is just going to be streaky. Um, is there anyone else where it's like, ah, I'm worried about that guy going to be over the hill next year? Not at all. Not, not really. Um, let me bring maybe some of the guys on the fourth line, but uh, okay. that was always, you know, kind of like, you know, of course, uh, Zach Parise, maybe like, yes, I, I love what he did this year, but at his age, it, it could turn any year. But I, I'm perfectly fine in, in risking that because from what he showed this year, there's um, again, I, I'm completely fine just based off what he did this year. But outside of that, there isn't really anyone where you're going that guy, uh, maybe Varley. Varley is the only one where I can be like, hmm. Because he's 34, going to be 35 soon. Uh, he, well, sorry, no, he just turned 34 today. Happy birthday, Simeon Varlamov. Um, so that that's a guy where you go, things could start falling apart. 34 years old in nets and a lot of miles, too. He's been around for a while. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's maybe one that I didn't think of, but I've still looked at him as a trade candidate, so maybe that's possibly on me. <laughs> no, you're right, though. Like, If there's anyone who's a trade candidate, it's probably going to be him. Anyway, but yeah, just looking at 
this group, I think for the most part, outside of the ones that, like Chara and Green are the ones who have been mostly Chara just because the age has been brought up a ton this year, but I don't anticipate those guys being back. Varley is a coin flip for me. Is that off base? Or are you kind of in the same boat? I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Okay. So, and then for the forward group, yeah, maybe the fourth line, but I don't think they're going to be asked to do what they, you know, were doing in like 2015. Exactly. Um, so then when you think about the road game and things that need to be fixed, well, what needs to be fixed? Like what is substantially different on the road than at home? Nothing aside from the the inherent advantages of the game that you can change nothing about, right? Like you can't change who, or you can't do anything about who gets the last change. You can't do anything about that. So like you just have to roll with it. And the only thing you can change is maybe adapting or, or doing some things that are off the, uh, different that are off the ice. Like we get there maybe a little bit earlier. Uh, maybe we uh, change this part of our routine. But outside of that, it's getting a younger squad. That's it. Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to see this offseason. That's what the important thing is now. Unfortunately, we've been talking about this for months. It's not, oh, let's make that push for the playoffs, and now that you're eliminated, it's, all right, well, what has to change? And one of the things we're looking at here, specifically in this episode, is playing better on the road, and we think getting younger is going to help that. It's not like they're playing one style at home and one style on the road. So it's it, you can't really point to any one thing. It's just, I don't know, an overarching theme, I guess. Yeah, like if if they're playing a different style on the road than they are at home, then that that is clearly the red. Like that that's got to change. Uh, but I, I don't imagine that's going to be it. And outside of that, there, there isn't really anything you can change substantially or or, or directly in uh, in terms of a road versus home game. Then changing some things on the roster and that that starts with age it does so we'll see the changes there but is there anything else you want to get into just talking about playing on the road for the islanders either this year or just going forward um i I think i i i didn't give enough credit to or not not enough credit i think i'm struggling to find the right word here but i i wasn't as worried about that 13 game road trip as i guess I, i should have been yeah um I, age was always going to be a factor with the Islanders. We, we we knew what they were going into. We knew the age of each player. Like that wasn't a surprise to any one of us. Um, and, but I really just thought that, okay, well, the age probably won't be that big of a deal come the road trip because, well, they're going to get that all out of them at the start. So they're, they're starting off fresh and they're not going to be going into 13-game road trip in like February like the Vancouver Canucks did um, where they're already like whittled down from a regular season. It's just they're starting off fresh and getting that out of the way. Um, it just, after that, I guess the wear and tear of a COVID year and so on and so forth really kind of did him in. Yeah. And you know what? That's an interesting point too. I was going to ask if you thought like maybe they needed time to gel before going on a 13 game road trip. Is there anything to that? I think some people would say, and even maybe the guys on the team would go, that's what the 13 game road trip was for. But I don't think it really worked. Maybe it's because of all, all the COVID protocols that that weren't a lot. They didn't allow them to gel, right? Like maybe they couldn't go and hang out in one big space. They all had to go into their rooms and like chill there type of thing. And they, maybe that kind of ruined the road bonding that they typically do. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see going forward. But like I said, need to be better on the road. I think they'll be the first ones to admit that. 
Yes. It, it, for any... One of the more d- direct changes they could do is, is, is try to do that, get better on the road, and, and that is get younger. <laughs> Without a doubt. So why don't we talk about someone a little bit more on the positive side here, someone who's been playing significantly better, at least recently, and that's Kiefer Bellows. Mitch, I think he revived us. We were in on Kiefer Bellows earlier in the year. He's putting up some points. He's like, all right, good. Then goes ice cold, and it's like, okay, we'll probably never see Kiefer Bellows again. And now he's back. And he has points in three straight games and points in, let's see, one, two, three, four, six. five, six, seven. He's got five in his last seven. Yes. Something like that, yeah. Yes. Things are going well for him, man. Although I'm worried about the ice time against Washington, right? Because we saw the three-game point streak. He's got the goal against Buffalo, 11:34. Then he gets 14 minutes against Carolina. And then 8:57 against Washington. When the lineup is depleted, right, they're one forward short. So you'd think that there'd be more ice time to go around and he gets like half of what he was getting before. What? Yeah, that is a little strange. Um, I don't know. That game in general was just odd for the ice times. It was, right, because you got like Matthew Barzal 25 minutes and then Kiefer Bellows said like, hey, not to say that Kiefer Bellows needs to be at Matthew Barzal's level, but if he's going to be playing the what? 10, 12, maybe 13 minutes. That's You add another like four minutes to his game. That's a lot more ice time for a guy. That's what, like eight shifts more? Yeah, it's a, it's a big difference. And there there was a even bigger gap when you look at Oliver Wallstrom's ice time when he's playing just over six minutes. It's strange. But let's stay on the positive side with uh, Bellows here. Does this change anything for you going into the offseason with Kiefer Bellows? Yeah, kind of. It, it really kind of does change a little bit. The, the narrative has, I wouldn't say flipped, but it, there's a wrinkle to it. Whereas before we were, like you said, set like, oh, that's done. Vaya Cundillo's Kiefer Bellows. But now it's like, oh, hold on a second here. I don't know. Um, they were always going to keep him. It wasn't a question of not signing him. It was just a question of would he stay at the NHL level next year? And that is still very much a question. It's just, um, the answer is closer to a positive one right now than it is to a negative one. Not not very positive, but just if, if we're looking at, um, let's say, 50-50 chance of him getting to the NHL, we're looking at maybe a 55-45 chance getting to the NHL versus not. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I don't know how much this changes things because I've seen this from him and we've seen this from him before. He goes through these stretches where it's like, okay, Maybe like, yeah, this isn't going to be, you know, some 30 goal scorer stud, but he's like a functioning third line player, which has some value for on the on the cheap, especially what he would be on his next deal. Great. But I'm afraid to see when it's going to fall off again. Like with him, I feel like I'm always waiting for that second shoe to drop. Yeah, you're not wrong. And like, look, this is a 2016 first round pick that we're talking about here. Just making his like leap into the NHL. In 2021, technically last year he played 14 games. So like that that's when I look at like he started his NHL career type of thing. But this is when he's getting the final run or the, the full run at least. 43 games, 18 points. Um, th- that's what we're seeing from Kiefer Bellows. And th- there's more upside here than what we're seeing. It's just how much more. Because um, he's shooting at 6.7% this year, which is low for someone like him. Yep. Um, although to be fair, like 
he's got what 22 games combined over the two previous years, but he was shooting at 18 and 15 percent. Um, he, he seems like a guy who can get uh, you know reach a 10 to 12 percent shooting percentage over the year. He's effectively at half of that. Uh, and we're, we're saying like, hey, there's a positive here. So I think there's still another gear for him. It's just are they going to put him in a position or or I should say it this way. Is he going to show them that he should be put in a position to do so? That's the question that's going to need to be answered over the next two games and training camp next year. Yeah, that's that's the thing, because if you are opening that spot for Kiefer Bellows, right? Let's play the game. Say, OK, yeah. we're going to have Kiefer Bellows be a part of this lineup going forward. Well, you could probably at that point kiss goodbye and upgrade because someone would have to go if you're adding someone else in. And who is that guy? Is Oliver Wallstrom going? Is he going down to the minors or is he going to be a healthy scratch every night? Um, and people are going to scream from the heavens to trade Josh Bailey. That's easier said than done. It's that's not uh, something that you could just say, yeah, let's do that today. We'll just trade Josh Bailey to, you know, the 31 teams who are knocking on our door asking for Josh Bailey. It, it, it's just it's complicated. They have a lot of pieces and I don't know how they're going to go about trying to fit them all in here. Right. So that that's the question now is like where where is Kiefer Bellows going to fit into the lineup? Um cuz cuz as it stands now, um he's there and the only reason he's they're both in they being Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom is because Anthony Bovilli isn't around. Right? He's got a day-to-day injuries as it stands and so there's a lineup spot. But if he's back, one of them is out. And that's clearly going to be Oliver Wallstrom at, at this point. But now the question is, well what happens next year? Bo's arguably going to be healthy so one of those guys has to sit but we're also looking for an upgrade we we can't just run the same team out be like Kiefer's gonna be better no worries baby can't do that we, we need more than this and so you bring another player in arguably someone who's gonna play hopefully in the top line at least top six well that pushes someone else down and someone into where Kiefer Bellows would ideally line up so that that's gonna be a problem come training camp if that is the case for him no, totally. Uh, he's gonna. It's gonna be an uphill battle. And as you said, with Kiefer Bellows, you, you can't just hand him that job and be like, "Yes, we are a team that's competing for, or in our minds, want to be competing for a Stanley Cup." And we're just gonna say, "Hey, here you go, Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom on a silver platter." Even though you really haven't proved it consistently at this level, like that is a major, major gamble to do that. I hear you, like wanting to wanting to give those guys more ice time and more of a leash. I, I I get that, but it there's so much risk there because you really still don't know what either of them are at this level. No. And, and that, that's just it. You're 100% correct. There, there's still a risk here and being like, this is going to be our third line next year in April. Right? Like we're not seeing enough. Kiefer Bellis is trending in the right direction. We're seeing something here that is, is a pleasant surprise. Um, but we still need to see more. We need to see that next year. Um, obviously, the, there's things that we're maybe not seeing that uh, Barry Trotz is looking for. Like he, he, Barry Trotz has given Kiefer Bellows and even Oliver Wallstrom like a checklist, right? I want to see you do this, that, and the other thing. And if you can do all those, I'm going to release you or give you more ice time. That's what I mean by release. I'll let you kind of do your thing. Uh, but until you do that, I'm not going to do it. So we'll see if they can hit those checks as the season progresses over the next two games, I guess, but uh, not a whole lot of runway, which is also kind of a problem. Like you left it late, bud. Yeah, it's, 
it's tough. It's gonna they're gonna be in a tough spot next year trying to figure out all these places. But and like that's another thing too. I mean, I don't want to completely derail this conversation, but I'm gonna do it anyway uh, for a second here. But like with Anthony Beauvillier's struggles this year. Now you just hand him back another top six role and be like, okay, we're good with Anthony Bovillier in the top six. This, there's a lot of question marks. There are a lot of question marks around the entire lineup. There's basically three guys you're going, we're good. We really like what we saw from you this year. Brock Nelson, Noah Dobson, and Elias Sorokin, right? Mm-hmm. I can't think of anyone else where like, thank you for that. That was excellent. Thank you well, very much. I have other guys that I'm not really worried about. Like, for instance, like Adam Pellick, Ryan Pollock, I'm mm-hmm. not really worried about. Anders Lee, uh, I'm not really worried about at this point. Maybe that's just own personal bias. Um, Pajot, I'm not really worried about. I think he is someone else who got healthy and was better down the stretch. So, um, But outside of that, that's, still, that's only like half the team, if that. <laughs> right? You got Brock. Uh, and you said Lee Peugeot, so that's three on the forwards. And then on defense, you got three guys, and, and uh, Pelik, Pollock, Dobson, and then Sorokin. We got six of twenty, and you were like oh, good. And one of then the guy who's supposed to be our best player is not on that list. Yeah, yeah, right. Fifty-five points this year is not great. No, that's. No, that's not very good. And uh, I don't want this to be a let's trade Matthew Barzal conversation or let's be down on Matthew Barzal. But I think we could it's okay to say, hey, we we, we need a little bit more from Matthew Barzal. I still like him and want him to be here, but you need a little bit more in 2022. Yeah, without a doubt. You can absolutely say that. If you you don't say that, it would be weird to be like, ah, he's been great. (laughs) Everything's fine. Good. But like, come on. Yeah, everything's fine. Rose colored glasses. All good. Yeah, all good. And so that that's the thing with Kiefer Bellows. It's nice. It's good. Uh, f- glad that we're finally seeing some positives here from him. But there, there's still another gear he's got to hit, and it's going to still be complicated for him. He hasn't opened him up, uh, opened himself up a spot for sure on this team next year. Not it, not at all. No. But I could say the same thing about Oliver Wallstrom, who coming into this year I was very, very high on. More high... Ironically, and again, I feel like I bring this up every episode. I'm sorry for continuing to do this, but I'm going to do it again. At the beginning of the year, I was down on Noah Dobson and super high up on Oliver Wallstrom. And then a month and a half into that season, it did a complete 180 and never came back. Yeah, it, it's been a whole flip from for Noah Dobson, which is excellent. But, but the problem with Kiefer Bellows via, uh, versus Oliver Wallstrom is that Wally is, what, 22? Mm-hmm. And Wallstrom's going to be 24 in a month or two months here. Bellows. Um, sorry, yes, Bellows is going to be 24 in a couple in a couple of months here in, in June. Uh, yeah, Wallstrom's not even 22. He's going to be 22 in June. So there's there's a lot of time still for Oliver Wallstrom to kind of like turn things around. He's still quite young. So if I'm going to keep a spot open for anyone, it's going to be Oliver Wallstrom and not Kiefer Bellows, even considering what we're seeing right now. Yeah. So we'll see. He, he's going to have to have a very, very, very good training camp and offseason, I think, in order to be considered for a regular role. And I, I know that kind of sounds unfair because he's played well down the stretch. But for me, it really doesn't change much. I know that's kind of where this started. We were like, yeah, it, it, from your perspective, it does change something for you. For me, it doesn't. I still look at this as someone who's going to get a bridge deal, probably one or two years, the AAV is going to be under a million dollars. And to me, that says you're not guaranteed a regular role. 
No, that's true. You're not. I just think that the, the, the narrative has shifted ever so slightly in a positive direction for uh, Freaky for Bellows. Okay, that's and that's fair. And I don't expect that to change in, in two games because he's been playing too well. No, I don't. Unless he's going to put up like hat tricks each night while playing solid defensive play, then maybe. But I, I don't think that's going to happen either. No. Watch he does it just to shut me up. That would be great. I'm rooting for it. Is there anything else while we're just on the positive side? Is there anything else you're rooting for here over the final two games? I really got to see Noah Dobson hit 50 points. I don't think we're going to see Brock Delson hit 40 goals. It's just there's only two games left, but and against good teams. But Dobson hitting 50, yes, 100%. Yeah, that'd be nice. I, I'm holding out hope for Anders Lee 30, but I think that's a tough ask. Three goals in two games. Three goals in two games against the Capitals and, and the uh, the Lightning. Hopefully yeah. they're all they're all shipped in. They figured out where they're going to be playing and, and what seed, and then there's nothing to play for, and then we could just start popping in goals because it's not going to matter to them. Yeah, that'd be nice. And um, yeah, I'd like to end the season with more wins than losses. So that would be nice. Shall we get to down on the farm here, Mitch? Sure. There's a few things to go over here. Um, Williams Full won a bunch of awards for the St. John Sea Dogs. Um, so they had a, a team gala the other day. He won, uh, obviously, the highest scoring player on the team because he's got 112 points. And uh, the only player, the next player who's close to him is like 17 points back in Josh Lawrence. Then we've got, or sorry, 12 points back. And then we've got, he won the player voted MVP, which was obvious that he'd be an MVP. I just didn't know if the, the team would vote for him. I had heard things like players don't like playing with him because he's selfish, but that was clearly not the case. And he might very well be, but at a certain point, you kind of have to be to stand out like that. Yeah, I I always hate that narrative. I feel like it's very overblown. And in most cases, not, I mean, in some cases, it's very obviously true. But from the limited that I've seen or heard from William Defoe, selfish doesn't really come to mind for me. I'm sure he is, right? But like, isn't that the whole point of his game is that you put the puck on his stick and he will get it in the net? Like, he's got a hell of a shot. That's the whole point. Like, yeah, maybe he doesn't pass enough, but if you pass it to him, did you really expect it coming back? Like maybe sometimes, but not all the time. Like that's his game. No, maybe he's um, mad because he's an overager and doesn't want to pass the puck back. Mm, must be that he's too old for those young clowns. Yeah. Wants, there, to, huh? wants to teach him a lesson. <laughs> Ridiculous. I hate that narrative so much. Um, other than that, he won the, the, also the team MVP. So he got the player voted MVP and the team MVP. So that's, that's three big awards that he got on the night, um, more than anyone else on the team. So it was a good job by him. Plus he signed his NHL contract. So everything is looking up for him. Coming up green. Love it. Absolutely. Uh, then we've got Henrik Tikkanen who, who just today, uh, Moto announced that he won't be coming back. He was only signed to a one year deal. If I remember correctly anyways, so he was signed with the Finnish Liga squad Kulpa. Uh, they ended his contract, which was surprising for me. Uh, and then he signed that one-year deal with Moto. Now that one-year deal is obviously over, and we'll see what happens to him. Uh, he was a seventh-round pick in 2020, old, like 20 years old, massive goalie, like 6'8", 210 type of thing, just ridiculously large. So where do you think he goes next year? That's that's the thing. I don't really know. He was fine for Moto. He was their backup, played 19 games, uh, had a 903 save percentage and a 250 goal against average, which is good, not great, but good at the Alston Scons level. Uh, so we'll see where it goes next. 
I would like to see him play at the SHL if he's going to be staying in Europe because that's one of the better leagues out there. Um, I don't imagine he's going to be coming to North America, but I I would be all for it if he did. He's going to be in the AHL with the Bridgeport uh, Bridgeport Islanders. Maybe, or maybe even the ECHL, given the whole uh, Linus Odestrom treatment type of thing. That's true. He could be in the ECHL. Why not? That's true. Um, so a- after that, then we've got the AHL. The Bridgeport Islanders are in the playoffs. They uh, secured their spot into the Let's postseason. Um, they start their postseason journey on May 2nd. They play in a best of three against the Providence Bruins if they win the best of three, so two out of three. Then they will play the Charlotte Checkers in the next round. So, And over under Atu Ratu 20 minutes a night. <laughs> I, I wish I could have public data on, <laughs> on times on ice for the AHL, but we don't. But yeah, he's doing well. Uh, people, So he's there, obviously. I don't know if I mentioned that already. Uh, Atu Ratu is playing with the Bridgeport Islanders. I imagine if you didn't know that, you're probably living under a rock. Because uh, that was the talk of the town for a, like a solid week. Uh, he He's there. He hasn't put up any points. He played two games. And he's a minus two. Um, I, I did a video specifically on this trying to manage people's expectations. This is all free money. This is all gravy. It doesn't matter what he does in these two games or even in these playoffs. It does not matter at all. No, it's really all about next. He's just getting his feet wet. Like whatever happens, I'm with you. Whatever happens this year, it's house money. It doesn't matter. But next year is the start for him where you can come in and make his mark. Exactly. Right now, you're only worried about him getting comfortable. That's it. And then he seems that some of the plays that he's making already, just stupid. It's like behind the back pass off the rush in the neutral zone to the guy streaming in. um, Setting up that one timer uh, and and, and, then, sorry, the give and go type of thing. Just excellent. He give him a bit more time to connect with some of his teammates, and and they'll, they'll complete some of those a little bit more uh, cleanly. Uh, but that's only two games in, and he's doing that stuff. So I, I am not worried about Atu Atu, even if he he lays an egg in every single game he plays with the Bridgeport Islanders. If, yeah. If if you're worried about that, you need to chill. Yeah. That uh, again, this is it. Doesn't really matter. This is just the bonus. So his. Real thing is, like you said, getting over and getting comfortable, and then next year have your opportunity to prove your worth at the North American level. That's exactly right. So, um, so they play on the second, they play on the fourth, and the sixth. The fourth is the home game in Bridgeport. Uh, they play the sixth only if they need to. So we'll see. Hopefully, they can uh, keep it up and, and hit to the next round because then our friends in Charlotte can go and see them play. That would be cool. Do you think there's going to be a big crowd in Bridgeport? I think so. I, I think there's going to be a decent crowd. Right. Not, not only are Islanders fans interested, but uh, the people in Bridgeport are obviously interested. Yeah, obviously uh, Bridgeport's fan base. But I feel like with the uh, the New York Islanders out of the playoffs, like I feel like we might see some of the Islanders fans who are more local here on the island make the trip to kind of just, I don't know, rally around something positive with this team in a playoff. Spot. Yeah, might, might as well. Like, who wants the hockey season to end in April, right? Like, when you know it could go till June. Might as well push as long as you can. There's some just across the pond, basically. Uh, maybe not pond, but channel, let's say. Uh, so let's uh, let's go. Yeah, I'm all in. So that's all I had for the, uh, the down on the farm segment. Mitch, the final quiz. Let's go. Are you ready? Let's do it. As we do every week, there's a mystery New York Islander for you to guess at home. There are five clues. 
They get progressively easier as we go. Matt, are you ready for your final quiz? You're going to be so relieved when this is done. Yes, I'm ready. One, I was drafted in 2016. Keeper Bellows. Incorrect. I stand well over six feet tall. Otto Quivola. Incorrect. I was one of the most important players on the team. That drafted him or from where he was drafted from? That's all I'm saying. One of the most important people on the team drafted in Let's say this team. Let's say this team. Let's phrase it that way. Um, I'm really, I'm really drawing a blank here. Uh, oh wait, oh duh, Ilya Sorokin. Incorrect. No, he wasn't 2016. I'm stupid. All right, keep it going. Let's go. I'm actually really good on the mic. Actually, really good on the mic. I'm so stumped. I don't know. That's good. Okay, five. Last one. It's Matt with two T's. Me? It is you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Uh, the whole gimmick. I didn't want to have an Islander. This is the last one for you. So the last clue was you. Oh, that was nice, Mitch. That made me feel good. Yeah, started here in 2016, March of 2016. I was a young lad. I didn't even turn 21 yet, Mitch. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm 27 now. I'm, I'm, I have my own health insurance. A lot's changed since then. My kid is seven years old. He was six months when we started. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is wild. Good times. Um, are you ready for the social segment? Let's do it. Let's end on a high note, Mitch. What do we got in the social segment? Okay. Uh, nothing quite as sappy, obviously, but um, the NHL tweeted out the goals of the week, and the first one, number 10, is Noah Dobson making the Buffalo Sabres look stupid. Yeah. Well, we love that, by the way. We are very much so here for it. It seems like every every time they play the Sabres, or, or almost every time, there's a highlight real goal that they score on them. It is it is Buffalo, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did beat us. So. <laughs> no, they've been playing. I'm going to give them credit. They have been playing better recently, and uh, the, the future is bright there. They have some nice pieces. Uh, my, my first one comes from It's Amory B on Twitter. Amory, maybe? I don't know. But... This tweet is very funny. It says, most intense rivalry in the NHL, Kyle Palmieri versus the referees. <laughs> Man, he cannot buy a goal. It, it, is it six or seven that he has called had called back? They, I think they said seven. I heard seven as well, but I can't find more than six. I've got five that he scored that were called back and one that was called back that he in, uh, he created the infraction on. Mm-hmm. So that that's the six that I've got. I could not find the seventh. Maybe Barry just made it up to throw us off. Perhaps, but apparently the the Islanders stats guys have it too. They they have got seven. The, they're in in house guys. I I don't know which one it is, and I'm not the only one. So I've got the count at six, but that's still stupid. He would be a twenty goal scorer if those went in. Well, nineteen goal scorer, I guess. Still, pretty good. Yeah, but considering he went 29 games with only one. That's still unbelievable. That's going to be one of the biggest storylines for me from this year. It's just Kyle Palmieri being ineffective for essentially half the year. Right? Think about that unlucky run. 29 games with one goal shooting at like 1%. And then when he starts figuring it out, basically, he's got five goals called back. <laughs> like, can't make this up. Unreal. 
my next one here comes from P.A. Parento. This is amazing alumni weekend. Thank you. And it's a picture. Uh, it's missing curfew. Who's got a picture of uh, P.A. Parento on the Jumbotron because uh, he was there for alumni weekend. And that what a well done weekend by the island. Yeah. It's just absolutely incredible stuff that they did. I, I agree 100%. And I think something that sometimes goes under the radar for the Islanders and really ever since Ledecky and Malkin have taken over, I feel like they've done a really good job of honoring their history and like the alumni, not just like obviously the, the Potvins of the world are going to be treated like royalty as they should. But, you know, I forget who it was. Someone on um, one of the pregames was on for a segment and was saying how like it doesn't matter if you played 600 games or six games with the Islanders, you're all, you're treated like family no matter what. Um, yeah. Which I think that's the way that it's a, it's supposed to be. And I, I like that it's like that. Or if you didn't even work for the Islanders at all, like Jigs McDonald's, Howie Rhodes, they're, they're involved too. Like they've got the alumni jackets or they're at least being presented around. And like that that's bringing into the Islander culture. It's not just about the players, although that's most of it, but it's everything else as well around it. Um, it, it's just good stuff, and, and you love to see it because you you build these bonds with the franchise, not just by, like, the players on the ice today, but the players on the ice that were. Like, how people go nuts for Sean Bates whenever he's in the house. Yeah, for, for the the penalty, the penalty shot. He, he's gonna... Right, which was, what, like 20 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 20 years ago. <laughs> a penalty shot 20 years ago, and he still can't buy a drink uh, at, that, uh, at UBS which I'm sure he's fine with, but still like that, that's what you have to buy into when you're building a culture and that's what they're trying to do. And they are succeeding very much. So um, I'm glad you brought Howie Rose up because my last one has to do with Howie. Uh, and it's a tweet from Brendan Burke who says, wait, Howie Rose is doing promo reads now getting a little too comfortable. Not sure. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It sucks for Brendan that he had to stay home. Yeah. Obviously COVID, but because uh, that probably would have been a lot of fun for him. The guy who recommended him for the job basically uh, is there doing a lap type of thing. And that's that's just fun to see. No, totally. And that was so nostalgic. I loved having Howie on the mic. And I'm so biased because I'm not only am I an Islanders fan, but I'm a Mets fan too. So I get him double duty with the Islanders and the Mets. But he is just such a good broadcaster. I'm obsessed. Oh, yeah, the, the voice. His voice is perfect. The second he starts talking, you're like, oh. That is a voice that I need to hear speaking to me on the television or he, through the radio. Or he whatever. could read the telephone book, and I would sit there so interested. <laughs> He'd find a way to make it interesting for sure. Absolutely. Did you have anything else for us? Yeah. My last one here comes comes from Tattooed Goalie Dad number 31. I guess there's only 31 of them out there, uh, although. I, I was going to say, is that you? Is that your burner? <laughs> I, I bet. Uh, and it's Las Vegas Golden Knights goalie Robin Leonard will undergo season-ending surgery. Obviously, they're not the first to report it. I'm just this is the first one that I saw. Uh, Vegas had initially hoped that the rest and rehab would allow him to finish the season. Leonard had attempted to battle through the ailment. And the reason I'm bringing this up isn't necessarily for the tweet itself, but the story around it really is you've got Robin Leonard, who's injured, played through the injury, said, like, guys, I need to go have this looked at. And they're like, can you just wait? Because our salary cap's all screwed up. Excuse me? Yeah, and I don't like... Did you see the coach's answer or to one of the questions? Uh, was it yesterday or maybe two days ago at this point? But 
He was basically like, yeah, paraphrasing, but he was essentially like, I, I only care about the guys who are here. Ask me about the guys who are here kind of thing. Like he just left on his own goodwill. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not feeling it right now. I'm, I'm not having my best year of my career. I'm just going to peace out right before the end of the year. That, that bothered me so much. And especially because who it is too. Um, like I know it, it sucks for anyone, but everything that's ro- that Robin's been through, number one, and how much of, uh, in a positive way, he's an ambassador for the sport and just mental health around uh, athletes and mental health wellness in general. And this is the reception that he's got. That really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I, I like I get what Pete DeBoer was was saying. Um, but read the room, bud. Like yeah. to say, like the announcement speaks for itself. So the announcement that Robin Leonard's season is done. I'm gonna. I'm concerned about the guys here. You could say that in a different way. That still adds empathy to the guy who's yeah. gonna be on the operating room table and who tried to carry you with a broken body and couldn't. Cause how could he? Like that's insane to me. Like, hey, you're injured. Can you get out there and stop vulcanized rubber shot at you at 100 miles an hour? Thanks and do a good job, or else we're gonna crucify you. Yeah, or God, the, the fans turned on him too. Like that's such, that's garbage. I'm sorry. It is. It is garbage from from that still new fan base. But like, come on, guys, be better than that. Although I don't mind from you, they're tuning into an Islanders podcast. But in case, be better than that. Yeah, we know you're listening. Yeah, and so that's that's it for the uh, the, the show. All right, so let's do some plugs in here, and we'll say goodbye. So wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, give a rating and review. We really appreciate it, all the love and support there. You can follow along on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch is TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You get us on the website, eyesonisles.com. Or on the Patreon for bonus content, post-game shows after every single game, deep dives during the offseason, and uh, a great community of Islanders fans, and a mailbag show, which we're going to record right now, Mitch. Right after this, buddy. Um, this is going to suck. I, I'm going to miss hanging out with you for an hour every week. Yeah, I'm going to miss it a lot, too. And I just wanted to say to you, the listener, how much I appreciate you guys, the kind messages that I've gotten in the last week have really, really hit home, and it means a lot um, that we were able to, you know, do this little show of ours, and you guys enjoyed it. So, um, love you guys. It's going to be weird. Mitch, wish you all the best going forward. We're going to stay very, very close friends. Um, as I said last week, I, I have a friend for life now, and I'm so very happy for that, uh, and that's my biggest takeaway from my time at Eyes on Isles. Love you, buddy. It's, yeah. We won't stop talking, that's for sure, but we'll have to stop talking here, which is fine. That's going to do it for us on this episode of number 245. For the final time, this has been the Eyes on Isles podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.